All right, good morning. Feeling fresh up here. Um, hey, who knows what the church will be like uh, the Sunday after that camp, right? So just come knowing it's all right. There's a mess, broken, smells, just it's okay. Animals, honestly, who knows? Um, all right, uh, let's open up in the Bible to Acts 22. We are continuing uh, through the book of Acts, just our verse-by-verse study. Um, We'll be in verses 1 through 22. The title is Remember Your Commission. Um, Just a heads up in, I think it's next week, we are going to have four in a row of our various uh, reality family lead pastors coming through, kind of doing a mini-series called Heritage on ways that uh, the Lord has specifically like shaped them as being a part of reality family and kind of like honestly re- they've ways they've received from this church reality carp and then kind of like regifting that uh, to us remembering who we are who God's called us to be as a church so that'll be the next four weeks it'll be really cool um, before we get into this uh, this morning I just wanted to share with you um, normally don't really do this but I just felt like it was significant enough um, I've experienced like a way crazy amount of spiritual warfare regarding this sermon that I normally don't. Um, like you guys, last night was just like a spiritual battle, like just one of those hours long, couldn't sleep. I wasn't even trying to be holy. I just couldn't sleep. And I was like, I have to pray. This is miserable. What's going on? Just praying and feeling just all like every crazy thought that the enemy could say about this sermon was being said and just pressing in, texting the whole world, pray for me, honestly, pray for me at like midnight. And um, I just want you guys to know the Lord like really broke through. And I got to this kind of like opposite place of like, man, this is so important. Like a fresh sense of this is so, these 22 verses are so, so important for our church. And um, I really even believe uh, that's part of why the enemy just was messing with it. He doesn't want us to hear these verses. So um, just know that going in. I think this is a significant uh, bit of uh, scripture for us. Um, also, not even disclaimer, but because of that, I'm just gonna literally teach it pretty much verse by verse. Nothing fancy, nothing, just gonna be really straightforward. And we just um, wanna see what God has for us in this text. So I'll read uh, right now, Acts 22, one through 22. I'll be reading out of the NIV All right, I hope you're ready to hear from God. Here we go. Verse one. Uh, I'm actually gonna back up to verse 40 for context. And after receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, 
Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Last verse, 22. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's, it's living and it's active, that it's, it's powerful, Lord. This is, this, this what we just read, God, is, is what we desperately need. Holy Spirit, would you make your word alive to your church? Would, as you showed up in power um, and you spoke to Paul, please, Holy Spirit, do that. We believe you are just as alive right now, Jesus, as you were 2,000 years ago. You are still seated on your throne. So please now show up in power and speak your word. And would you recommission us, your people, recommission us, remind us, recall to us who we are, our identity in Christ and what that means, that we are a commissioned people to be your witnesses, Lord. Speak now, Holy Spirit. Help me just to be faithful to your word where all of the power is. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Paul in this moment, if you remember what's going on, he, he's been led to Jerusalem by the spirit. He's been prophesied over, hey, you're gonna suffer. It's gonna be miserable. And he's like, I have to go. I'll suffer for Jesus. He gets there. He's rejected by the Jews who are celebrating there. Uh, some Jews stir up the whole city. There's this riot, and, like this mob, and they're literally beating Paul at the temple. They're just trying to kill him. Um, the way the temple was built back in the day, there was uh, like a tower, like a guard tower overlooking the temple mount. So these Roman soldiers could oversee the Jews and the temple, if there was ever gonna be like an uprising of the Jews, it would be in the space of the temple. So this tower was there. They saw what was going on. They came down, they rescue Paul. And now they're, they're bringing him back up these stairs that are overseeing the temple mount. And as they're taking Paul away, Paul stops the Roman soldiers and says, hey, 
will you let me speak to the crowd real quick? And they're like, okay, I guess. And so, uh, and just think about this. God ordained this moment for Paul. There, I mean, there, there would be thousands and thousands of people, some of whom have Paul's blood on their hands, literally, and, and Paul stops to address them. And uh, how we're gonna approach these verses, we're just gonna go bit by bit. We're gonna learn from Paul what it is to be an evangelist, what it is to, Paul is modeling his commission in this moment. He, he's gonna testify to it as, as we get to, he, he says, this is what Jesus did. He called me to share the gospel. But what he's doing in these verses is he's, and he's acting out his commission to share the gospel. So we're gonna, uh, as we read through the verses, we're gonna highlight eight, truths, eight ways we can learn um, to remember our commission to share Jesus with the world as we look at Paul. So um, the first point, if you will, is to, to, when we're sharing Jesus, we are to love the person we're sharing Jesus with. And we see that in verses one and two. So let's read those again. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, brothers and fathers, Listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Now, just like take a minute and think about this. Paul was just being publicly like beaten and on his way to jail, he just stops and thinks to himself, maybe this is a good chance to share the gospel with these people who just were trying to kill me. Hey, could I, uh, officer, could I please speak to them for a second? So he turns around to the very people who were just trying to kill him and he begins to explain to them the love of God and the gospel of Jesus. Just think about that. Think about the way Paul viewed his so-called enemies. He then turns and shares the gospel. Paul is modeling the cross, right? This is the same thing Jesus did. The very people who were killing him, uh, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Paul is doing that for them. Paul speaks of his love for the Jews specifically, who were those who were beating him in this moment in Romans 9. Look what Paul says of his love for his brothers uh, and fathers of the Jews. This is what he says. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. That's Paul's love, it's Paul's love for the lost and specifically for this crowd, the Jews, his brothers and fathers. He loves these people and he loves them and he's, he's even acknowledging here because he loves them, if they don't know Jesus, he implies what's happening, they, they're gonna be cursed and cut off from Christ. That's like a big deal. Like, I don't want them to be cursed. I would rather be cursed and cut off for eternity so that they could know Jesus. That's Paul's deep love for his brothers. That's Paul's displaying the heart of God. God came to save the world because he loves the world. God does not just come to save because he's supposed to do it. God loves the world. As we are called to follow Jesus, to follow faithful men like Paul, we are to share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus because we love them. 
Uh, the word for that's evangelism. And I just want to remind us, evangelism isn't just a duty. Uh, it's, it's to be an overflow of our love for the world. The same people God the Father loved, the same people Jesus loves. And when, let's be honest, when we're talking with somebody, um, and it doesn't matter what it is, uh, when we're doing something out of just pure duty, uh, people see through it pretty quickly, right? Like I've heard this said, if I just came home from work and brought my wife some flowers and she's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, well, it's my job. You know, I'm the husband. I hand it to her and walk away. She's like, I mean, I guess thanks, but like I was hoping there'd be more there. We are called to evangelize because we love people because we love them, because we want them to know the best thing that there is to know, that God loves them. And yet, um, if you're anything like me, um, I struggle with evangelism. I hope you don't, honestly. But honestly, when, when I, uh, there, there are those in my life who don't know Jesus, I'm more often motivated just by guilt. Um, it's something I know I'm supposed to do, um, but I'm just nervous. I don't wanna like bring it up. And if I think about how it would be brought up, it's just weird and unnatural and I'm just like burdened. And what helps me is what would I do if I just loved these people? If I just loved them? Like I would get to know them. I would have them maybe even over for dinner. Like that's a lot of love for more of an introvert like me, but like I'm gonna pursue loving these people. I wanna know about their lives. And as we seek to love them, as Paul shows us, evangelism is the overflow. It's the overflow of our love for them. Then the next thing, Paul, he speaks to the crowd. He calls them brothers and fathers. The next thing we learn from Paul is we are to identify with the person we share Jesus with. And look at Paul doing this in verses three to five. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel, who was a famous Jewish rabbi, and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death. He's saying, just as you were beating me up, I did the same thing you did arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison, even as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul, no, Paul's bringing up the fact, he's like, you guys remember me. You remember I used to do this stuff. I am a Jew of Jews. I, was, I am trained under one of our best. I was just as zealous for God as you are. I did what you did. This is helpful in our evangelism to others because if we're honest, which we should be, we have far more in common with those who don't know Jesus than, than we would think. I'm sorry, but I don't know what's up with the mic today. Sorry, Schmitty. Um, we have far more in common with the unbelievers in our life who don't know Jesus than we would think. Remember, we all had to be rescued by Jesus ourselves, right? Like any of you just born with a, born again, born again, like no, we, we had to be born again. We had to come to know Jesus. This is even like as Paul's bringing up his ethnicity and his city and what he used to do, God has ordained your past your upbringing, even your hobbies and passions, all of these things have been ordained by God and are to play a part, a significant role in your evangelism. Like 
your ethnicity is something God gave you to connect with others of that ethnicity. That's a thing, that's okay. The, the, your previous passions, your previous hobbies, where you go work out, what you do for fun, where you go on vacation, where your kids play, these are part of the, the tools God has given you for your evangelism. Jesus did the same. When Jesus came to rescue us, he became a human being just like us. He shared the same kind of food and clothes. He didn't just like open the heavens and say, hey guys, you need to repent. He's like, I'm gonna identify with humanity. That, that is the way we are effective in sharing Jesus with others. Next from Paul, we learn this. We are to testify about the power of God in our lives. We are to testify of the power of God. Look at what he says in verses six and seven. He's sharing his salvation story. Help us, God. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul is saying this, I went to Damascus to persecute Christians and I arrived there as a Christian. Like, there's nothing else that explains that but the power of God. Church, can anyone else testify to the power of God in their life? Is anyone else different now than before because of the power of God in your life? And we, we see the power of God in two ways here in these verses. Number one, it's just expressed in the presence of God. It just says a light fell, he was overwhelmed, he fell to the ground. But then specifically, the power of God shows up in the, the word of God, the voice of God. That There is power, you guys, in the word of God. When we are uh, sharing Jesus with people. This is why we don't need to be clever. This is why we honestly don't need to be smart. This is actually why it's good that we don't rely on our own wisdom, our own strength, our own uh, uh, you know, clever apologetics to get people in a corner. We rely on the word of God. It's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. When we are faithful to tell people what is just simply in this book, that though they are sinners as we are, God loves them and came for them and died for them and rose again. If they would believe in him, they would have eternal life. Like that's, there's just supernatural power in that. In fact, the Bible says it's foolishness to the world. Like we don't even have to try to explain it. Like it's just gonna seem crazy, but it has the power of God. And I wanna, I wanna be honest here. If, any, if anyone should have known the word of God, if anyone knew the word of God at that time, it was someone like Paul. Remember, he was a Jewish rabbi. He was so acquainted with the Old Testament at that time, the scriptures, yet he had never experienced the power of God. He had never heard directly, personally from God. He knew some theological truths, but the power of the voice of God had not yet broken into his life. Um, I wanna share, this is part of my testimony. I grew up in a really Christian home, a Christian environment, Christian schools, Christian church. Um, I went to a Christian college um, knowing a lot about the word of God, but it was not until I was at this church. I was a junior in college um, and it was the Sunday after Daisy had been diagnosed with cancer. And Britt stood up here and you guys, he simply just 
testified to the power of the word that was sustaining them. And it was the first time in my whole life, and this was maybe just supernatural, I like saw, I like experienced the power, I witnessed the power of the word of God. These were not just nice coffee cup verses that make you feel better. It was like power, supernatural power. And I honestly, um, I had a really hard time with this church before that because I was like, gosh, it's just like, I always just feel kind of, I don't know, like the word of God was, was so powerful and I just didn't like it. I didn't want to submit to it. It was too much for me. And in that moment, it was the first time that it became like, powerful in my life. I was like, oh, whoa, there's something here. And then in the next few months, as uh, we as a church, um, just, I just continue to hear and receive the word of God. I believe that the power of, of the word broke into my life personally. And I was, it was no longer some truths and theological, it was like, man, when I read this, this is like, I'm meeting with God. Like, whatever he says, I'll submit to it. That is the voice of of God. I'm in. There is, there is power in the word of God. When we are sharing Jesus with others, we don't need to um, be ashamed. We just need to simply honestly unleash the, where the power already is. It's in the word of God. And the next thing we learn from Paul is to be honest about where we were at spiritually before we met Jesus. Look at verse 8. Paul is sharing in this moment. He says, who are you, Lord? I asked just think about this. Paul, like Rabbi Paul, admits to the crowd, I didn't even know the Lord. I was a rabbi, and yet I didn't even know the Lord. Who are you, Lord? I asked. This it says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Um, Paul not only acknowledges that he didn't know the Lord, he, he didn't know that Jesus was the Lord. He didn't know that all of this, all the, the Old Testament, all of the Jewish rituals and priests and sacrifices, the things we're reading in our Bible plan in Numbers, he didn't know it was all about Jesus. And he's honest with the crowd. He's like, I didn't even know the Lord. I didn't know that it was about Jesus. I, Paul is saying, I was ignorant. I was zealous, I was religious, but I was not, I did not know the Lord. I was, I was spiritually lost. Paul says this uh, about the Jews in Romans 10 verse two, of which he, whom he was, for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. They were zealous for God as they are in this crowd right here, but they, they didn't actually know the Lord. They didn't know Jesus. Uh, church, it, it is simply true of every one of us that we were all once spiritually ignorant. And not just ignorant, we were spiritually dead, Paul says. Uh, in Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then he goes on to say a few chapters later, that, that is, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. We can be spiritual, but just dry with no life 
and we need the word of God and the spirit of God to wake us up from the dead and, and be alive. That is the spiritual experience of every single person. Um, Paul also says in 2 Corinthians chapter four, this is every person before they meet Jesus, the God of this age, he's referring to Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Uh, This is like heavy stuff. This is where we all were at. We, um, in our evangelism, are to be are to talk about this stuff, talk about sin, but here's the catch. We're to talk about our own sin. We are to testify to our own lostness, to how I was blind, I was far from God. Paul is saying, I used to kill Christians. I used to be so zealous for God, but I didn't even know who he was. We in our evangelism are, are not to stand above sinners, but we are to, in a, in a sense, even humble ourselves and be like, I am just like you. I was so lost and I want you to know that there is actually life when you come to know Jesus. This is what Jesus testified in Mark 2, verse 17. This is what Jesus did. When, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw that's Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We have been rescued by Jesus, that is us. We are in that category, but sinners. Um, Also, it's important to recognize, I think one of the ways the enemy wants to keep us, the church, effective um, from, from sharing Jesus with others is our sin, is guilt. I feel ashamed, I've fallen into temptation, I just feel, how could I share Jesus when I'm a sinner? And that's, that's actually the very reason why you're qualified to share Jesus, because you need Jesus too, right? Like, don't let the enemy slow us down from sharing Jesus because we need Jesus, Just remember the cross, remember the gospel. No, I've been forgiven, I've been accepted, my sin has been washed away, and now I'm gonna go share because I'm in the same spot as these people were. We we all need Jesus together. So so Paul acknowledges, hey, um, testify to where you were before you met Jesus. Next next truth we learn um, in our evangelism is this. We are to accept that the power to save is with God alone. Look what Paul says in verse nine. We see him display this truth. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me, right? The power of God came, the word of God came, the voice of God came to a whole crowd of people and only one person heard and understood. Now, I wanna ask you guys this. Was it because Paul was somehow uh, better than those that he heard? Was it because Paul was more holy or more humble that he heard? Um, And let me make it personal. If you are a Christian, are you a Christian because you are a superior human than other people? Uh, Is it because you you were more wise spiritually or because you were more holy or deserving? No, we know that's not why we're Christians. In fact, the opposite is true. If there, Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. If anyone was deserving, it wasn't Paul. Paul is displaying, as he teaches 
elsewhere, salvation is of the Lord. It's not holy, healthy people who go to God. It is sick people to whom Jesus comes and makes them alive. Look at just three verses where we see this truth. We see it first in Jonah of all places. Um, Jonah's testifying after he's rescued by God, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. What I avowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Uh, Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Dead people don't come to Jesus on their own. Dead people need God to come make them alive. That is every one of our stories God made you alive. We don't get to take credit for the grace of God. It's called the grace of God because we didn't deserve it. And the power of God is, is the power to save is only in God. God alone breathes life as we see in Genesis and God alone breathes spiritual life. In fact, I want us to see this one more time. I'm not sensing you believe me. So 2 Corinthians chapter four 2 Corinthians chapter four, I want you to see this. Um, it's continuing on to that verse of the God of this age has blinded the minds of the believers so they cannot see. Verse five, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Okay, listen to this, just listen to this, verse six. This is how salvation happens. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, it's Genesis, right? Reference to Genesis. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God alone says, let there be light and light comes. God alone has the power to save people. Now, he even makes the point even more that why this is important for our evangelism. Look at the, the very next verse, if you're there. If not, just keep listening. But we have this treasure, the gospel, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God not from us. In fact, we are intentionally weak, intentionally vessels of clay, just cracked and broken to display. When, when we tell someone about Jesus and then they believe in Jesus, it should be clear to everyone, yeah, Jesus did that. Like no person's taking credit for that miracle. That is, that, that truth that God saves people should be just a relief to us in our evangelism. We can't save people. The burden to save people isn't on us. Only God can carry that burden and he can do it. He can carry, it's not a burden for him. But here's the amazing thing. The way he saves people is through broken, cracked vessels like you and me. When we simply share the powerful gospel. 
we are just called to be faithful in God. We trust God to bring the growth. That's every parable about a seed going down and God brings the growth. We are to be faithful. We are God's chosen vessels to carry the gospel. It won't go without a vessel, but it is God who makes people alive to him. Salvation is of the Lord. Uh, Number six, what we learn from Paul is this. We are to remember our commission. Paul testifies to his commission in this moment. Look at what he says in his conversation with Jesus. What shall I do, Lord, I ask? Which, pause, that's such a beautiful thing to do when you get saved. Jesus, what do you want of me? I'm in. What do you want? This is Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six when he's cleansed from the coal and God's like, who shall I send? Isaiah's like, I'm in, send me. Paul says, what shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, the Lord says. It's part of the commission. Get up and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliant light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and rightly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, this is part of his commission, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. That's so profound. That's our commission right there. God has called you guys, us as a church, to know his will, to see Jesus, to hear words from his mouth. Then after we've, we've been chosen, we've known, we've heard, we've seen Jesus, we will then be his witnesses to all people of what we have seen and heard. Paul is reminding the church, remember your commission. We have been commissioned by Jesus. It's often said, you know, I, I'm just, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm an introvert. Um, this is a nice one for pastors. I'm a pastor. Like I just do this stuff. You guys go do it. You know, I don't want to have to do it. Um, and we just have to know this is Jesus' commission to the whole church. This is if you follow Jesus, what Jesus said in Matthew 28 at the end, his last words to his disciples are true to you. Hear the words of Jesus to us as a church. This is the last things Jesus said. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, people say, yeah, it was just for the 11. Like, we don't have to do anything. Um, let me, if, if that's where you're tempted to, to, to say, uh, do, do you claim this promise of Jesus? I am with you always. You claim that promise? If you claim that promise, you also have to claim your commission. These things go together. His presence is an assurance that as we go, he is with us. This commission is with us. Again, if you're like, yeah, I just am not gifted. Um, Paul addressed Timothy, a pastor who wasn't gifted and he was simply to be obedient. Look what Paul said to someone like you who maybe doesn't feel gifted. This is what he says in 2 Timothy chapter four, 
but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. And if you're like, no, well, that was to Timothy. Um, In Acts chapter eight, we read of the whole church, not Timothy, not apostles, not disciples, just church people. This is what it says. Uh, This is when Saul was persecuting the church, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. But those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Church, you have been commissioned by Jesus to go make disciples of your neighbors, your coworkers, your family. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. There aren't just some holy people who we invite them to church and then the priests give them Jesus. The veil was torn from top to bottom. We all have access to God and we have been called, we have been called, commissioned by Jesus to share the gospel with the world. Uh, What gives us help and hope in this is uh, our next point, number seven. We are to remember our own salvation. Look at the next verse, verse 16. Uh, Ananias says to Paul, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Um, Church, can you believe that your sins have been washed away? Like there may be no greater help in evangelism than remembering, man, where I was and where would I be if not for the grace of Jesus. David said this um, after he blew it and sinned in Psalm 51, verse 12 and 13. He's crying out to God, restore to me the joy, the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then... I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Our salvation is to be fuel to give us joy, to sustain us, to then go to others, to call them to turn to God. Um, Sometimes, man, maybe right now you are like, evangelism is just such a burden. Maybe the starting point this morning is is this prayer. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation, the joy that I was lost and blind and dead and you rescued me. You put all of the just wrath I deserved onto Jesus on the cross and you extended your love and mercy and the righteousness of Jesus to me. You called me a son and daughter of God. Restore to me that joy. Do you guys remember when you just got saved? Do you remember that joy? Remember that? That's our prayer. Restore to me, God, the joy of my salvation. Sustain me. Then I will go. I will share with others. And then the last thing we see Paul model for us is this, to trust God with the outcome. Uh, Again, we'll read verses 17 to 22. This little evangelistic outreach Paul has goes poorly. Uh, when I returned to Jerusalem, he's, he's sharing his testimony still, and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Wouldn't that be nice to have every once in a while a little trance, Jesus? Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. 
pause. What Paul's saying is, if there's ever a place of ministry for me, I think it would be here. Like these people know who I was. They know who I am. This is Paul, uh, it's funny who argues with Jesus, but Paul is saying like, no, Jesus, I think I should stay. I think this is my mission field. I think I'll be effective here. But Paul is also displaying for us, if I could add a point, point number nine, it's listen to the leading of the spirit in your evangelism. Sometimes what seems like it would make a lot of sense, the Lord's like, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Go over here. Unpause. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul stops giving his testimony and here's what it says. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. And that was the end of Paul's evangelistic outreach to the Jews in that moment. What happened was what Jesus predicted would happen. They're not gonna listen to you. you need to, we need to trust God with the outcome to save and or not to save. When people reject, we, it's not like, no, we must force them. We are simply obedient and we trust God with the outcome. This is how evangelism often goes. This, it's, a, it's, a, it's a narrow road and few will make it, it says. So we are to share with everyone and trust God with the outcome. This is when Jesus said, uh, the kingdom is like um, someone who went to sow seeds and some landed on a path and it was just immediately stolen. Some bore fruit in a, in a real quick, but then when, when suffering came, it, 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 it faded away. Others, they, they were into it, but then the cares of this world choked it out. And then there were just some that when it, when it hit the soil, they produced fruit. That's just the way the kingdom works. That's the way our evangelism works. And uh, the last point, I'll say this, I said, nine, I said eight, now we're at nine. Here's 10, bonus point. Because, because Paul was interrupted, he didn't finish his usual pattern of sharing the gospel. Um, we see him do it elsewhere. But here's the, the last important point in our evangelism is we are to invite those we are speaking Jesus to, to repent and believe. We are to invite, even though we can't make them, uh, that's the Lord's job, we are to invite them Repent of your sin, believe in Jesus, and you will be saved. I just want us to see this very briefly in a few Acts sermons. When Peter was preaching, this is, we see this pattern uh, in Acts chapter two. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, which pause, that's because God was at work. God just cut them to the heart and, and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. That invitation, repent of your sin, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see Paul do this later um, when he's speaking to uh, King Agrippa. He, he's testifying, he says, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. And then I love um, a few verses later, he says, King Agrippa, do you believe? He's just like, inviting him. He's calling him out by like, do you believe? We are to call for repentance and belief in Jesus. Now, um, the way I want to end this time together is uh, something where we feel called by God to do as a church is to double down as a church, as a praying church. Um, salvation is of the Lord. And so we're going to actually ask you, the church, to do something crazy and pray for five minutes with one another. Um, and here's how we're going to pray. Two things. Number one, um, just in little groups, two to three max, because these are big things to pray for. Um, first, we're just going to ask God for one another for courage 
and love and obedience in our evangelism. And then second, for specific people who need Jesus, like names, God, please save them. Um, Easter is coming and we've been planning, we have a big Easter celebration coming. We're excited to tell you more about it. Um, But right now is a perfect time that we would start to pray for those people who we would invite, who we would ask the Lord to save. Um, The last thing I would say is this. If you're here and you're just a visitor, you're not sure about Jesus, um, you feel free to not pray, but I would invite you to whoever you're sitting next to 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 ask them to pray for you. Say, hey, I don't know what I think of those things, but just let them pray for you. Maybe even this morning is when you would come to put your faith in Jesus. So church, for five or so minutes, let's just pray with one another full of faith that God would make us effective. Remember our commission. I believe the Lord is gonna hear and answer these prayers and then we'll worship together.